This is an ABC podcast. Can you be more Pacific? On ABC Radio Australia. Yes, hello. Welcome to another episode of Can You Be More Pacific? Talking all things sport across the Pacific. My name is Sarah Nangama. And I'm Dean Hullatow. And this week in Australia, we've been celebrating NAIDOC Week. Uh, Originally, that stood for National Aborigines and Islanders Day Observance Observance Committee. I'll get that out. And look, there's been celebrations all across Australia. And the theme of the week has been Hill Country, which is... Meant to mean more than just a place. It's about heritage, culture, storytelling, and and about trying to preserve that and and, and maintain as much as possible um, the heritage of, of our Indigenous Australians. So a very big week in uh, Australia in the calendar, and also a big week for an Indigenous Australian who plays on the world stage in the NBA, Paddy Mills. Yes, Paddy Mills and Kate Campbell were announced as the Australian flag bearers at the upcoming Tokyo Olympics. It's really huge. Paddy is of uh, Torres Strait um, heritage, and I think it's a very proud moment for Australia to be able to have him um, represent us um, on the world stage. Very exciting, and my goodness, the Olympics are not far away. Not far away, and congratulations to, to Paddy and to Kate as well. Can't wait to uh, to watch the Olympics. It's such an exciting period. The Olympics, you always sort of get immersed in it, and yeah, it's I, I can't wait for it to, to kick off. But we've also got plenty coming up the next hour. We'll look back at the weekend in sport. Uh, there was something that was really big that happened on the week. I want to say congratulations, says What a performance on Saturday. You, you beat uh, our northern counterparts, the Queensland Reds, uh, and took out the Super W Championship. Yes, the New South Wales Waratahs, we've done it again. Um, it's I'm really, really stoked with what we accomplished up in Coffs Harbour. The two weeks leading into the campaign, even the week leading into, I guess, our first game was hellish, to say the least. You know, we sacrificed as did every single girl and as did every single coach that was up there, had to sacrifice so much to be present. And um, there was just this really strong innate belief all week that we could do it. And, you know, our captain kind of said it really well is that individually, of course, we can do great things, but collectively we can do even greater things. And um, it was just so good to get the win. Um, again, Queensland Reds, like huge shout out to them. They have constantly put it to us every single year, season in, season out. But um I mean, securing the premiership fourth year in a row, God, that has a nice ring to it. Very nice ring to it. Yeah. Oh, hell, we've got, we got a song playing. All I do is win, oh, win, win, no matter what. Got money on my mind. Yes. Thank you. Thank you so much, Nelly. Pretty much, I wake up and I play that song. Undefeated, the Waratahs, once again. How good. Like, can, can we say it without, like, it sounding, like, ridiculous? No, you can celebrate. You can celebrate achievement because that's what you've done. Yeah. So that's fine. Win, win, win. <laughs> Thank you so much, DJ Khaled. <laughs> <laughs> and also, congratulations, you were, you've been selected in the Wallaroo squad. Yes, um, that was really exciting. Um, you can just never, ever, ever be sure that you'll ever get a place in, in a rep team. So each time that um, I guess my name pops up on the, on the list, I'm very grateful. Um, but, yeah, it's just so unfortunate. Um, as we spoke about on the show a couple of episodes ago, we were preparing to play against Samoa which would have happened next week. But due to COVID, the games have been postponed. So um, right now the certainty of playing a game is kind of zero um, just because we don't have a, a, a date as to when we'll play those matches. But hopefully we get an opportunity to play some test rugby this year. Yes, fingers crossed that that can happen. Uh, we'll, we'll move on to the 
the story of the week in rugby league, which has been making headlines. Um, it's pretty red hot. Yeah, red hot. The Dragons, they've had a fairly interesting four or five days. They um, had a big win up on the Central Coast uh, in, in Golden Point. It was a field goal that they got them across the line. But then they decided to celebrate the, the next night as a big group, not just as a few, but a, a pretty big group. Something like 13 players, is yes. that correct? Yep. 13 players all at Paul Vaughan's house. And they kind of thought that they would get away with it. But of course, you put 13 boys in one house and you have a couple of beverages, you're going to be loud. Noise complaints were made directly to the police. Police make their way onto the scene, people scatter, and it just unfolds into this ugly mess. It has been a mess. And I feel for the club that they've had to um, go through this. The administrators, I know, I know a few people that are involved with the club that have had to spend a lot of hours dealing with it. There's people at the NRL that have been investigating it. The, I think the New South Wales Police, their investigation was pretty quick because they, t- they turned up and they handed out fines uh, on the spot, which has been the case with people that have been breaking COVID restrictions in the community. Um, but yeah, look, it's a really poor error in judgment. It's been acknowledged by the players themselves that, that they've done the wrong thing and they've copped some fairly heavy fines, $305,000 worth of fines from the game in total and also those $1,000 fines uh, for each individual from the New South Wales Police. So big hit to the pocket for those boys. And obviously, I guess the most, um, the harshest thing that's come out of it is that Paul Vaughan has been fired. He's lost his contract. What, do you reckon that that was a fair call? Yes. I, th- I think that the, the sanctions handed down by the NRL and then the further action taken by the club is is, is pretty fair. Um, I, look, people make mistakes. I know Paul Vaughan's acknowledged that he made a mistake. He, was, he, he put a, uh, he appeared on one of the networks uh-huh. during the week to to say how remorseful he was. And um, I feel for him in the fact that he's got a family, they've lost uh, their job, but there's been a lot of people that have been hard hit by the the pandemic. And I think that's something that he probably didn't have at the front of his mind when he decided to host a party. Um, so yeah, I do feel for him that he's lost his job, but it's, it's punishment that fits the crime, I think. And um, he will get picked up by another club. That's one thing that I'm, I'm, I'm pretty certain of. It's going to be a different looking contract for him. Yeah. He's not going to get the same money that he's been on because uh, he signed this post plane origin. Um, he was on pretty big money. I think that'll change for him significantly. But yeah, I, I think it was it was on the mark uh, what's, what's happened. I think a few players uh, that they got one week suspensions probably can consider themselves a little bit lucky. It yeah. could have been more for them, but you know that they've impacted their teammates. The club itself is is still been a chance to maybe push for a, a top eight finish. And um, having thirteen players from your your regular they, these guys are regular starters. They're a part of their, yeah. their starting seventeen. They're, they're not going to be able to play a week at least over the next uh, out of the next month. It's pretty crazy to lose that many players in one go. But um, I guess what's been pretty cool to see. I guess not really cool to see, but the NRL being able to stagger the suspension so yep. that it doesn't um, impact them all at once. Because, man, if you lost all of those plays in one match, poof. Yes. <laughs> it would have been hard to feel the ten. They would have almost had to forfeit. That could have been a – Like the Bulldogs. Ah, oh, okay, let's not go to the, to the poor bull- – No, you don't have to the mention bulldogs the Bulldogs. is a really sore spot for Dean. <laughs> poor Bulldogs. Poor Bulldogs. Yeah, they didn't get to stagger. They only had three or five. Five, didn't they? Yeah. Five forfeits. Now, they had five players stood down for COVID breaches um, last weekend as well. What is it with these players break, breaking the rules? Yeah, look, I think there's <laughs> there might be a bit of uh, protocol fatigue setting in for some players, but yeah. um, th- these ones happened before community restrictions went up. They were just directives given from the NRL to clubs. There wasn't an increase in the levels of protocols that they were under. It was just instruction not to, to go out to certain hotspots. 
Players went to a, a venue in the middle of a hot spot, the Waverley Council, I think it was, and yeah, it was a, a spot attended by a positive. Okay, so they were close contacts. That that was the whole issue, and um, yeah, poor judgment. And again, everyone wants to unwind and let off some steam yeah. or celebrate and whatnot, but uh, time and place, and it wasn't the time or place for them to Should be. Should be a lock in. A lock in was well, no. even lock ins don't work now because you can't have more. You can't go visit like in. Greater Sydney and, and other areas, you can't go to other people's places um, and visit and have fun. Yeah. There's no visitors to households. It's a stay-at-home order. So I just think it would be different, different on, in yeah. Coffs Harbour in regional Australia <laughs> when you're celebrating. That's, it's different, different rules up there. That's fine. So I just wonder if um, more cases like this will kind of unfold throughout the rest of the NRL season because players are acting up because they just want to get out of the house, want to kind of get out of the routine of just home and, I guess, footy. But... I don't know. I feel like hopefully this sets an example. Yeah. Don't think that you'll get away with it because you just might lose your contract, my guys. Yeah, yeah. It's it's happened, right? So that's that's the whole idea behind those sanctions is to serve as a deterrent for other players. And um, it, it's, it goes further than just the players and what they do on the field and getting stood down. Yeah. If, if the game's compromised and, and government step in and say, hey, we're not going to let you travel between states, we're not going to let you host games, blah, blah, blah. Well, then the game stops and then we have – uh, staff, like I work in the game, I work at the yeah. NRL. If the game shuts down, that affects my job indirectly or it could be directly if, if it got to that point. So um, there's thousands of other people like myself that work in the game and if it stops, it, it impacts impacts Andrew Moore and, and, and the team calling rugby league on the radio because there's no games to cover and, and there's a whole bunch of people that are let down there. So our producer Nelly, who, who works in the great game of rugby league as well, like it, it goes beyond just yeah. that small group of people that were turned I think they just party. don't have that thought, right? Like you don't have that thought. You don't think that your actions could affect thousands of people. Yeah. But anywho, let's move on to plays of let's, the week. Let's get We've positive left now. enough time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Can you be more Pacific? Plays of the week. There wasn't any lower grade games played. The state competitions have been put on hold, but the Storm had a huge win over the Roosters, 46 nil. Up at Newcastle last Thursday. That's a big result for the Storm. Uh, Dragons defeated the Warriors. We mentioned that. A close one, 19 uh, to 18. Wanted a celebration. Neck minute. <laughs> neck minute. <laughs> Panthers defeated the Eels 13-12 on the other Friday night game, which again, a very close game. I think it was Matt Burton kicked the winning field goal. Struck it beautifully. It was his second field goal attempt of that game. Mitch Moses had a chance to win it uh, just before full time. But he I missed it. I know you, you're a fan of Mitch Moses as well. But his his shining light is that he was picked in the blue squad. So well done, Mitch. It's amazing. Can't wait to talk about Origin later, by the way. Yes, we will talk about Origin later. <laughs> Manly defeated the Bulldogs 66-0. Okay, what is this behavior? 66-0. Look, the Bulldogs were affected, as we've just mentioned before, about, uh, by COVID um, breaches. And uh, they lost five players before the game that – Probably would have been in their in their starting side or in their seventeen at least. So yeah, they got touched up by Manly, who are running hot at the moment. Hard and it's to... the highest points difference ever for Manly. Yes, which is huge. against the Bulldogs. Yeah, yeah, it was um, it was massive um, or ever against any squad. Yeah. So well done, Manly, and they're they're a real threat for the finals, Manly. They're, to me, they're like underdogs. Like some weeks they have really big wins, some they lose, but then they just like the consistent performance. I wouldn't be shocked if I see them in the top four, to be yeah, honest. I agree. And they're, they're, they're scoring points uh, at a rate of knots. Tell for Foley Sipley, 
he's got new way in background, so I'll give him a shout-out. He scored two tries. The big man, he's a, he's a middle forward, so he doesn't often get across the line, but yeah, he grabbed himself two tries, so well done, Toff. Simply, he's also a bit of a character. He's pretty funny. We had a game last year on the Central Coast during um, the height of COVID restrictions, yeah. and we had uh, Dennis Carnahan, the, the ABC sound guru, that had his um, mic stand set up on the side of the field for effects. <laughs> Toff's just walking along and stood in front of the mic and just started talking and then started going, testing. Testing, <laughs> and we were all, we were live on air. We were, oh, you were live. We were looking around. What's going on? And he's just having a chat to our microphone. He was ball boy for the game because he was oh, like eighteen man. Nine. Yeah, so he was ball boy and just decided to have a chat to our microphone. The character, we were live. yeah. Go so, on, mate. I liked off. Uh, the Titans defeated the Raiders forty four six. Big win down in the nation's capital for the Titans. Knights defeated the Cowboys thirty eight nil. Okay, I'm sorry, but I'm just like looking at all these scores where people are held out. To like a zero score line. What the hell? There was three zero score lines. Is it the worst round of NRL this year? Uh, I think it's pretty close. I had two games separated by one point. The rest of them were fairly convincing. But yeah. That's um, so bad. Yeah. The, the, the zero point ones, it was hard. Watching the Knights defeat the Cowboys. The Cowboys look good at times, but they just could not um, do anything to get across the stripe. The Broncos defeating the Sharks 26-18 was a really good uh, performance from the Broncos. A really enjoyable game, actually, because the Sharks are going quite well. They had four in a row before that they, they're in the eight. So they, they've had a pretty good season all in all. And, uh, yeah, I thought they were going to get this one done up there in Brisbane. But the Broncos, they welcomed back to Katoni Staggs, which was a huge in for them. It's always good to welcome back players who can just inject that impact oh. into the side. And obviously the Broncos have been lacking it a fair bit um, with him missing. But, I mean, what a great win to to kind of secure on your home ground. Yeah, big win for the Broncos. Tessie New was awesome. Two tries. Back, two tries. He scored one that was, I think it was about 80 or 90 metres off a of scrum and he just burnt the Sharks outside defence. That's my dream so. try. Like a huge runaway. I reckon once you get in the clear, you've got a bit of, you've got a bit of speed, right? Yeah, I do. So you just gotta, but they just... Maybe I'm just wasted at second row. <laughs> Get out of it. Well, you showed your skills on the weekend with your tip on. Oh, my little triceps. Yeah, oh, like stop it. Don't outlier. even know how I ended up there. Probably a fatigue. Yeah. Probably should have been in midfield, but whatever. Did you get hit after you passed the ball? Yeah, I did. I was really winded. <laughs> and I was like down and I was gasping for air and like I saw my life flash before me and I'm thinking about my family and like, you know, how they're going to deal without me. And physio runs onto the field and she's like, says, like, talk to me. And I was like, put my head up and kid you not, first words that came out of my mouth was, did she score the try? She's like, yeah, she scored the try. I was like, well, just get me off this field and put me in the change room. <laughs> anyway, it's not about me in this moment. It's not about me. Oh, it actually is. We're up to the Super W final yeah. part. Yeah, we'll go to the Super W final because it was a great performance by your team, 45 to 12. Yes. Talk us through the, the game, says. Um, so we obviously were in Coffs Harbour. It was a fantastic week leading into it. Best thing to note about it is every season – prior to this one, we've only ever had a three-point difference. Um, and something that we were really keen on at the beginning of the season is if we are as a solid as a side as we believe we are, our, the score margin should be much higher, like should be should be bigger. Um, so leading into that final, there, honestly, I was never in doubt. I was never in doubt. I really trusted the way that we trained. We um, we kind of took the loss again, not necessarily because we didn't lose, but we took the game, um, our performance against the Brumbies on the Wednesday before the Saturday quite personally. And we just wanted to be a lot better around the park um, from 1 to 15. And um, coming into that day, like I woke up normally, like my game day routine is like I like a bit of a stretch. I woke up and I was like, I don't want to stretch. I feel fine. Like the body feels good. The head feels good. Um, and then we got down there. 
prepped as per usual and we went out and it was just like such a sick environment because, you know, all the teams that were still there kind of filled the stands. The community in Coffs Harbour like really got around us throughout the whole week and in the first five minutes the Queensland Reds crossed the line um, pretty much near my feet, which is not great. But we just like stood underneath um, the goalpost and we're like, it's, it's okay, like to not think that we would – that they, would, they wouldn't score a try at all is a bit stupid. So let's just play our game. And we eventually got into the swing of things. And by the 30th minute, it was 5-5. By the 40th minute, it was 19-5. So when we went into the change rooms, the chat was like, you decide. You decide how you want to finish this game. Um, and that was just enough ammo. Like, again, the journey to even get to Coffs Hub was one thing, not knowing if the competition was going to go ahead. So we just wanted to make sure that if we did play footy, um, we'd play it like it was our last. And yeah, we got the win, 45-12. Like, so good. So, so good. Well done. And tell us about the celebrations. I've seen some some footage on socials where when you're celebrating out of the game, everyone runs the field. The girls all storm the field. And I think yeah, um, there was someone with the water, the water girl singlet on. She jumped on someone's back and was getting a piggyback on the field. And yeah, then... that's Laurie Kramer. She's a big carrier on that girl. <laughs> <laughs> but then in the sheds afterwards singing your team song, it looked like a, a, a great feeling to, to be able oh, to celebrate that victory. It was just such – It obviously like to get it done was like such an amazing achievement, but it was also – as weird as it sounds, like a relief. Yeah. Um, the season had been done. We had a goal and we'd accomplished it. But the post-game celebrations were awesome. We came back into the change rooms. Um, our fam, like some of the girls had family there. So they came in and they were with us when we sang our team song. Um, and we just like cracked open a couple of beers and kind of just got around each other. It was just so cool because no one was like in a rush normally after a game, you know, oh, girls, like get into the ice bus. I hate that thing, by the way. <laughs> um, get into the ice bus, hurry up, get some food, jump on the bus. But it was just... Just like we were all there, still in our jerseys, all in our playing kit, having a couple of beers with our coaches. It was just, it was really special. Really no, special. No goggles. That's been the theme of the last Oh, my few- God. I really wanted goggles. Yeah. But look, Coffs Harbour like, don't really have a lot of shops like that <laughs> to get funny. No goggle shops. There's no goggle shops. There's no carry-on shops. Um, but look, great to do it. Happy to be home, though, TBH. Love to a life, but like also love being home with my family again. <laughs> Home is good. Yes. Do you want to talk us now through the uh, rugby internationals that took place over the weekend? Yes, there are a couple of um, awesome fixtures that took place. So New Zealand Marys went up against Samoa and defeated them 38-21. Something that I'm sure you'll have some comments to make about was the All Blacks going up against Tonga, thrashing them 102-0. to But I guess the scenes following the game, which is basically every single person in the crowd clapping for the Tongan side, um, was quite heartwarming. But before we get onto like the crowd, like that's a really, really big thrashing. Yeah, we talk about the NRL um, scorelines that have that have come up this year. This is this is huge. The All Blacks are the best in the world, and yeah, they're, no they're, they're, it's a tough it's a tough game for for the Tongan side to come up against them. But 102 to nil, um, it puts the All Blacks in good stead heading towards a World Cup, and um, no doubt they'd be happy with their performance. But listening to the the captain for the Tongan side afterwards in his post match interview, he was just proud to be out there. They've, they've faced a bit of adversity going into that match with players uh, coming out of quarantine and, and not are having you still in quarantine not having players available th- yes because they, because they are in quarantine and um, for them to be able to play on that stage you know, it would have been proud for them to represent their country and that's what he said we're very proud to to do what we do but uh, it was obviously um, not the result and he was really emotional yeah, it was it was proper scenes, hey, seeing yeah. him speak, I guess, of the pride that he has for the jersey he had on his chest. And, I mean, it's really unfortunate, but nonetheless, I'm, I really do hope that they take a 
couple of hard lessons from it and and turn it around because I mean it's all it's all great to be proud um I guess of of what you're representing but winning also goes a long way and I think um that would be the next focus for Tonga is let's how do we turn this into a win yep yep no doubt and then last night the Wallabies went up against France and stole the dub twenty three to twenty one in that thirty third. 83rd minute. Yeah, well, well done, the Wallabies. A, a bit of um, joy for Australian rugby that's been struggling as of this year. <laughs> they struggle to get a win in the Super Super Rugby, the Australian teams, but the Wallabies come together and get a result over France. France is a, is a quality team, so yeah. um, no doubt they'd be very happy with that. In front of a packed crowd up at Lang Park in, in Brisbane, it would have been um, nice uh, for the Wallabies to be able to be in front of a full crowd and, and, and to get that result in that sort of fashion, late in the game, as I said, a goal uh, by Noel uh, um finished with a penalty to clinch the game. And it was teetering. They almost lost it, then they come back and, and, and clinched it with that goal. Yeah, for anyone who watched the game, I'm sure you could agree, it was definitely messy in parts. There was some really basic ball handling skills um, that were lost throughout the game. Um, but I... I mean, they have another fixture up against France next week. So it'll be interesting to see if they can continue the winning streak. But if anything... Um, that yesterday proved to us it's that the Wallabies want to win this year. And your friend, your mate, he got a try. Brendan. Brandon Panga of Musa. Yeah, he yeah. opened, was from a line out, then they went into a mall. Sneaky hooker, always gets the glory, steals the ball from the back, <laughs> crosses the white line. Wouldn't have got it if a second rower like myself didn't catch the ball. <laughs> but no, um, it was a fantastic win and I never want to take anything away from it. So congratulations to the Wallabies. Australia. Can you be more Pacific? Today we're really lucky. We're joined by Kennedy Charrington. She represented New South Wales in the recent State of Origin clash. She also is one of the first five signings for the Parramatta Eels and we're so excited to have her on air with us today. Kennedy, how are you? Hi guys, thanks for having me. <laughs> no, we're so stoked to have you on. Thank you, thank you. Well, Kennedy, we, we like to kick things off with uh, a little segment we call Tip On, which we ask you some quick-fire questions, uh, and we want you to answer as quickly as you can the first thing that pops into your mind. So are you ready to do that? Yes, we does. <laughs> Let's go for it. So which is better, the book or the movie? Movie. What have you been reading, watching, or listening to lately? Um, the Good Doctor on Netflix. <laughs> what was your first concert? Uh, Ed Sheeran. Who was your most annoying teammate? Um, probably, oh my gosh, um, when I was in rugby, Sarah Nagama. <laughs> <laughs> I believe you. Yes. Do you have a hidden talent? Um, I can untangle anything, like um, as in like earphones, necklaces, yeah. Oh, I, I've got the same talent, so I like that. That's good. It's not about yeah. you, Dave. Sorry. What's your go-to karaoke <laughs> song? Um, anything Mariah Carey or Whitney Houston. Oh, yes, nice. Yeah. Scale of 1 to 10, how good are you at keeping secrets? Yeah, minus one. <laughs> what, was, <laughs> what was your favorite movie as a kid? Um, Harry Potter series. Cool. What's something that you could eat for a week straight? Spaghetti bolognese. Ooh. And favorite place you've traveled to? Um, the Bahamas. Cool. Hey, Kenny, you had some really good answers in there, but the one where you said I was the most annoying teammate. <laughs> Very <Rude. laughs> 
Nah, that's a bit banter. <laughs> I, I love it. I think you're the first one to get through all, all questions in our quick fire. Like that's good. Yeah, that meant you well, actually followed the instructions. Wrong, just... Very good. <laughs> now we always ask we always ask everyone to go back to their karaoke songs and and give us a couple of lines from say MC or Whitney something. What's your favourite song? <clears throat> You know, I don't even, I don't even remember. It's just like, and, uh, no, that's not. <laughs> <laughs> <You know. laughs> love you. Oh my God. I yeah, sound very nice. Shut up, Dave. Anywho, yeah. Kenny, you nailed that. Um, we are so intrigued to know more about you. You have such, um, a great sporting resume, particularly, um, considering your age, you are only 22 years old. I guess let's take it right back <laughs> to the beginning. How did you get involved in sport? Um, so probably when I was younger, um, been playing, um, league since I was 10, but rewind before that it was probably netball my whole life. Um, my parents tried getting me into rugby league when I was like young, young, like I think four and I just wanted to play in the sand. So they were like, Oh yep, she's not a rugby player. Um, <laughs> so, you know, played netball and then, um, moved to Perth back from like, um, cause I was born in Sydney. Uh, relocated for my dad's job and um, my brother was um, playing rugby league and it didn't clash with netball because over there they actually play club rugby on a Sunday. So mm. I played netball on a Saturday and club rugby on a Sunday. So um, I was able to do both and um, as a little 10-year-old. So we were a very sporting family. So it kind of kicked off them from there in Perth, Western Australia. So from there, just, um, you know, I... Made a few rep teams for WA um, right until I was 12, and then I was deemed too old, you know, as with the, um, you know, the girls not being able to play contact after under 12s. And then it kind of just, um, I was a bit lost, so I had to play Oztag, back to netball, and I was too young to play, like, um, any women's rugby league. And then, you know, with the recent 2016 gold medal boom that happened with women's rugby sevens, Kind of jumped on that little wave there um, with, you know, high school rugby seven. So jumped on there. And then I was fortunate enough to make my first Australian, uh, junior Australian team in 2017 to go to the Bahamas um, for the 2017 Youth Commonwealth Games. And then pretty much since there, it's kind of been a really quick four or five years of all these achievements. It's been kind of cool. <laughs> well, as says just mentioned before, you're only 22. It sounds like you've done a lot in, in uh, such a short amount of time. Uh, you mentioned your family. You've got a, a family of, of athletes, it sounds like. Are they a huge influence? Tell us about your family and, and how much of an influence they've had on your, your own sport. Um, well, I'm the oldest of four, so definitely have to set the standards <laughs> and the expectations, <laughs> but no, they, they keep me on my toes. I have um, two younger brothers and one younger sister, so they're their own. Um, they're athlete, and I don't like to be that uh, sibling, you know, where they're in their own, when they're in the, my shadow type thing. Yeah. But if you know my family, you know that we're all <laughs> very strong individuals, very competitive, and um, we hate being compared to each other. So I think for me, I just um, like to set the expectation and they can – do whatever they like and you can follow on if you want. And if you want to be your own person, you want to be your own person. So I think my family is very supportive and um, credit to my parents for having us at a young age and probably copying a bit of slack back then, but um, they kept us grounded and like, I'm really, really proud of my siblings, um, you know, um, yeah, coming through the pathways themselves. So 
grateful. <laughs> do, do you compete at everything at home? Because I know that the, 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 all the competitive families I know, they're just everything's a competition around the house. <laughs> oh, no, yeah, 100%. Like, oh, sibling rivalry is next level. It's probably worse <laughs> than your normal, like, Queensland, New South Wales. Like, sibling rivalry tops the charts. You know, it's just like, who can do the dishes faster? Who can, you know, um, just, oh, just stuff like that. Like, it's crazy. But, no, we definitely, you know, many, many um, run it straight challenges and stuff like that. So, I, I actually know Kennedy and her siblings personally and can attest to every single thing she's saying. Her and particularly her younger brother, Winnie Arta, they compete at everything. Everything. Yeah, it's actually it's actually lovely in a very weird way. Um, yeah. Kenny, just going back, um, so you obviously came over here to Sydney, um, started playing football. You told us, as you did, you got your foot in with the Aussie Sevens program, um, and then you transitioned to the 15s format. Do you want to talk us through a little bit of that? Yes, so um, uh, so guys, I was actually born in Sydney, and then I went to Perth and came back. So people were like, how are you origin eligible? Well, that's that. Um, <laughs> just just to uh, clarify. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, clarify. Um, so I came back, um, moved. I was kind of just outgrown Perth, uh, finished school, and that was the time that I'd made my first um, Youth Australian team. So I was kind of over it. Um, it was at the same time the Western Force got cut, so all our junior pathways got cut in Western Australia. So there was really nothing for me. I was like, well, I'm going to get a full-time job and not pursue anything, and I was like, that's not me. So I outgrew my environment and pretty much packed up my stuff in 2018 by myself and um, moved to Sydney, um, where I was grateful to stay with a family in the eastern suburbs. Um, And then from there, um, I was with the Waratahs for three seasons. And yeah, it was just kind of out of nowhere. So I was in the mix with the um, Aussie Seven. So I played a few tournaments for the women's team there and Pacific Games and Oceania Games. And then three seasons with the Waratahs and um, a tour with the Australian A with SESI in Fiji. So, yeah, that was just kind of the start of the start of the chapter even before Rugby League came into the picture. I love that. And, yes, it was very – It was we had a great time in Fiji, didn't we? God, yeah. We were over the yeah, cassava by the end of the, the tour. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> – You've experienced so much great success, great success um, you know, whether you were in the 7s jersey for Aussie or the 15s jersey for um, Aussie A's. But then I just want to talk about your transition. So you you're with us for your third season at the Waratahs and then you made yeah. the transition to NRLW. How did that How did that all come up? Um, I think so COVID happened and this was like that period where no one knew what was going on, say, this time last year. Oh, actually, probably maybe April last year. And Tiana Penasani, um, grateful for her, actually messaged me in um, February saying, um, oh, come down to Sharks, like if you're keen, sis, you know, there's a spot at our team. And I was like, I just full ignored it. I left Tiana Penasani on red. I feel so bad. <laughs> um, anyways, I showed mum like a week later. I was like, oh, look at this. And she's like, do it. And I was like, nah, like I've got my eyes set on 15s. I want a Wallaroos jersey. Like that was my tunnel vision Goal. Uh, type yeah. Of goal, yeah. Like we all get caught up, we're like, no, we want this, this only. And um, so COVID happened and we didn't even get to finish our um, final series last year with the Waratahs. Mm-hmm. And borders ended up closing. So uh, me and my brother pretty much was on the last plane to per- uh, back to Perth and we got stuck there because um, very strict borders and that. So we got stuck there for four, four months. And I think for me that four months was the hardest four months, um, you know, being back with my family. But it was like a you know, one of those like uh, what do you call it like a an epiphany. <laughs> I was like not wanting to play footy at all. 
<clears throat> I think it was a really hard reflection of myself. Um, my parents kind of just gave me the hard word, like, what are you doing? Like, do you even know, like, what's going on? Like, I was just going through some bit of mental health stuff. And I think from there, I came back to Sydney and I just full, like, was off rugby union and I just um, jumped in the deep end, just wanted to kind of find the love for, um, or anything really, um, for rugby league. And then that kind of just sparked a little, uh, that love for me again. And yeah, <laughs> coming back um, just to play club rugby because that's what I thought I was playing, just club rugby, club rugby league for fun. Well, I can't, I can't say that I'm disappointed that you made the change over being a leaguey myself, so I'm grateful <laughs> that you did. But one thing that I've been trying to do is to convince Sez to, to hop over to leagues. I just keep dropping little hints about, about NRLW. Can you get her across or what? I actually don't know. They've told us we've not allowed anything to do with any of that because of Harvey Norman season, but now that Harvey Norman season is over, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> hey, actually, a lot of your girls have messaged me, Sezzy. Oh, look, let's take that one off here. Oh, you take it. You know, it's crazy to talk to, sorry, to listen to how you kind of just found yourself at the Cronulla Sharks based off a DM, but then you ended up having a breakout season. You got recruited by the Roosters and you had a great breakout season again and was <laughs> named Rookie of the Year. What did that achievement mean to you? Oh my God, like talking through this, freak, I don't give myself enough appreciation. <laughs> um, yes, we're here to gas you uh, up today, Kennedy. Far <laughs> out. Um, so, yeah, I played one club game for Harvey Norman. I didn't actually know what Harvey Norman was. I literally thought I was playing social rugby league. Um, and then after the first game against Wenny's, Jamie Feeney, um, the head coach at the time last year, called me up and he's like, oh, I'd like to offer you an RRW contract. And I was like, what the hell? <laughs> I was like, sorry. And he's like, yeah, I want you to part of my top 30. And I was just like, oh, my gosh. Like, I play one game and this all happens. And I was just like, mm-hmm. okay. I wasn't even set on, like, anything like Origin or just – I just wanted to, you know, take in the opportunity because I was like, wow, new environment, new me. Let's go. <laughs> and then um, from there, yeah, just was just having fun playing. I think that was a true reflection of my season last year. Um, I was grateful to be named in the Origin – um, squad straight after um, regular season in an RRW and then it's kind of been a cool ride. So, yeah, very grateful. <laughs> yeah, you, you mentioned being named in the uh, Origin side uh, last year in 2020 and then um, this year uh, you get your chance to play by, by getting your debut uh, up there on the Sunshine Coast and it was a pretty impressive debut. I'll, I'll, I remember watching you go toe-to-toe with the, most of the middles from the Queensland side. <laughs> a few little running battles going, there, going on there. How was that experience? Um, I think I was really excited because I knew um, I'd, I was a completely different player from last year, um, eight months ago. So I've learned so much in that eight months and I was confident that the timing was right debuting this year. I know we didn't get the win, but I was pretty um, pretty happy with how I um, did what I could coming off the bench. And yeah, that Queensland, New South Wales rivalry hits different. Like um, that origin, the game's fast, it's hard, it was a bit wet, but... No, I don't, I don't like backing down. <laughs> they can't bully me. No, that's good. I like that. It was good to watch. <laughs> Speaking about not backing down, you and Ali Brigginshaw had a bit of an incident on field which pulled your hair. What the heck happened there? Um, well, for me, my perspective, um, I was just playing footy. I mean, I've been taught to grapple and slow to play the ball down. I think that's one of my, um, my strengths in the game. I'm good on the ground and 
Well, she didn't like it. <laughs> yeah, he's got a bit of a hair pull. <laughs> but, <laughs> I don't know, here's the moment you do some dumb stuff, but I don't know. No, yeah, no comment. <laughs> no, we um, both Dean and I watched that game, and it was such a physical game. It would have been pretty hard to play in those wet conditions, but um, I'm sure New South Wales have some fire in their belly to just to have another crack again next year. Yeah, so it's back here next year, um, back home, and I think um, we've always this last two years, especially, we've had to cop the hard end of the stick. You know, last year we were in quarantine for two weeks, had no family. Only yeah. Queensland supporters. This year, all the families got locked out, except my family. <laughs> um, so, so no families um, from all the girls actually couldn't attend. So, um, yeah, it was just another tough one to take in. And obviously, losing my two points in the last minute um, hurt. But next year, yeah, I think we got the staffing right this year, the girls right this year. So, it's just finishing off those little one percenters. Mm. Yeah, well, fingers are crossed for, for a New South Wales win next year for sure. But off the back of uh, the state of origin and, and obviously your, um, your season with the Cronulla Sharks, you've got yourself a contract with the Parramatta Eels. Must be excited to be uh, <laughs> going to one of the, the clubs that started out in their first season in the NRLW this year. Yeah, so um, it was great to be a part of the top 30. Um, it's a central uh, coding system that we've got in play at the moment for the expansion. So, um yeah, really grateful. I wasn't um, actually expecting to be a part of the top 30. It's just a tough decision to make. Obviously, the Roosters was uh, my first club, and I feel like I owed everything to them. Uh, they really helped me out with a lot of things other than footy. So it was really, really tough one to make. Um, but I'm really excited for um, Paramount Eels, the girls there, and just putting that um, that Western Sydney type of vibe and bringing it um, it's going to be a different style of footy. So can't wait. I'm really excited to see um, all the teams that are put together um, for each club. But, I mean, you'll be playing alongside some great talent in the likes of Tiana Penatani, Philomena Hinesi, Samaya Taufa. Um, are you excited to play alongside these players? And, I mean, there are a couple of these girls you've played with before as well. Yeah, I play with them like in club and alongside um, – like this is probably going to be like a proper a proper season. Like I've played, you know, one off game Origin here with them, a couple of games in a row. But I think with the expansion and um, the twelve round at oh, nine round thing, I think it's going to really develop as players and get to know each other at a different level. So better footy's going to come out. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to ask about the the expansion and having the, the opportunity to play more footy and then um, to go into a final series uh, beyond that. Uh, is that something that um, you you are looking forward to, just that, that opportunity for the game to keep getting bigger and bigger and trying to get a genuine season, um, like a, a full-length season going? Yeah, so last year, I don't think we had enough games to actually develop as a team. You know, we had a two-week preseason because of COVID, and then I felt like we didn't have enough games to actually progress and see the true potential of the team. So, yeah, this year, and even next year, with the expansion happening again, um, it's going to be unreal. And, you know, um, even with the women's state of origin, like, one game isn't a reflection of how a squad and team players like, um, you know, we deserve a series. We deserve a proper, proper comp. So, Amen see to the true potential well. of women's rugby league. 
I love it. Um, before we wrap up, there's something that I do want to touch on, and I guess it was your involvement with the Maori All-Stars where you versed Indigenous All-Stars and you came away with a win. I, I know from personal conversations with you, it was just um, it was so beautiful for you to be able to connect with people of your culture and your own culture as well. Um, could you just kind of talk us through what it was or what it meant to you to represent um, your heritage? Um, so I got a bit of slack from my family. Um, you know, because they've asked whether I want to, in rugby league, want to represent Australia and New Zealand. And for me, Australia is home. So obviously, if I choose Australia, um, you know, I can't play for New Zealand. I can't play Origin like, if I was to choose the other side. So I think for me, the All-Stars is like my getaway. So um, everyone I've spoken to representing New Zealand and representing Maori All-Stars is different. Um, you know, being Maori myself, um, I, we were in the week's camp up in Townsville. I learned so much about myself, so much about my family, so much about our language and just everything. Just, yeah, you just can't explain it, but I just came back refreshed. Honestly, it just felt like a new me. I felt like I was worthy of my, like, even being Maori. I felt worthy of the jersey and, um, I think it was the right decision, especially the girls who um, want to represent Australia and have that backlash from family, um, not being able to represent, you know, not wanting to represent New Zealand. It's our, our what's the word, like out, well, it's, yeah, it just hits different. <laughs> I love that. And that's such a beautiful note to end on. I just, um, on behalf of Dana and I, Kennedy, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, we wish you all the best with the upcoming NRLW season. And we just know that you are only scratching the surface um, of your sporting career. So from the both of us, all the best. Thank you, guys. <laughs> thank you for having me. Very humbled. Aww. That was the Parramatta Eels' newest recruit, Kennedy Charrington. Can't wait to see her go around in the NRLW this year. on ABC Radio Australia. In the Rack This Week, we tackled the tough headlines, but first we have a really feel-good story. The NRL have recently expanded a community reach program in PNG. Dean, could you tell us a little bit more about it? Yeah, so the NRL has a Pacific Outreach Program, which it's been uh, in operation for a number of years now, and basically going into the Pacific and delivering um, social responsibility, health and wellbeing programs to people in country through schools and, and different programs that, that are run in the community. And uh, PNG obviously is rugby league mad. So rugby league is a great vehicle to deliver the messages that they do. The program that they are delivering is called League Belong Life, uh, which translates to League for Life in Papua New Guinea. And um, some of the issues that they tackle are around uh, gender-based violence, um, social issues around health and wellbeing. And um, yeah, it's, it's great that the NRL's extended. Uh, they've got a lot of people working across the, the region in Papua New Guinea, Fiji, Tonga and Samoa, and um, being able to train up staff in country to deliver these programs is great. Uh, it means that um, the, that it can run year round. We don't have to rely on sending people in and, and, and bringing them back, particularly under current circumstances where, where borders are shut. But it's great that funding's been secured and they've been able to extend that into further regions in Papua New Guinea and, and get to more people. And it's something that the game I know is really proud of. So well done to the NRL and to, to the government for being able to, to keep those initiatives going. 
I absolutely agree with you. And I just kind of want to commend the NRL. They're really fantastic at putting together initiatives that really help people. And um, this is just another great example of it. I'm sure we'll hear some really um, solid reports um, once this program is run, is uh, sorry, is rolled out. Um, moving on to Origin, they've changed the location to Newcastle. It's a second regional city to host it this year. I know there's a lot of disappointment because people were looking forward to um, a clash that was meant to happen in Sydney. Yes, it was supposed to be at Stadium Australia, but um, obviously um, Greater Sydney's under lockdown and there would be no crowds. So they, they were exploring options uh, right up until as, as, as late as yesterday, I believe. I think mm. the announcement was made yesterday around Newcastle being the venue, which is, I think, a, a good outcome. It stays in New South Wales. Both games have been in Queensland 1 and 2. Uh, and Newcastle is rugby league mad. They love their footy up there. They're, they're home crowds. Even when the Knights have been struggling over the past four or five years, it's still strong. been huge. And um, it's great that um, regional New South Wales, Newcastle in particular, the Hunter region, uh, gets to host such a big event. Will it be at 100% capacity? Uh, I don't think that it's at 100%. I think it might be 75%. Um, so not uh, full uh, full. But at stand. least they get a crowd, right, compared to what they would have had if they kept it here in Sydney. Yeah, so they, they get a crowd. And, and, and again, that, that injection into their, their local community is going to be great. Yeah, unfortunately, I won't be able to get up there for it. But I'm still looking forward to the game, as is everyone else, dead rubber and all. Love it. Well, we've got to, we have, if we're on the topic of origin, we have to talk about selections as well because there are a number of key players that are out, starting with the Blues. Um, we have Dan- Daniel Safidi, who's out due to a rib injury. You also have Ivan Cleary, who I believe was carrying a shoulder injury, and also Jerome Luai, who has a knee niggle. I think we've got a misprint on our notes because it's actually Nathan, Ivan's son, that's out. So, Oh, Hey, don't worry. That's busted. You, you were reading the notes as we've got them here. It's a common mistake. Every, I should have. I should never forget Nathan's name. I stalk his every, Instagram every day. <laughs> Everyone says I do it. I do it in calls when we're calling the Panthers. When Nathan's got the ball and his dad's a coach, you kind of mix up Ivan and Nathan all the time. So, and they look very similar too. They look very similar. Yeah, but yes, Nathan is out. Jerome's out, which brings in Mitch Moses to start in number seven. Another. A player that you're a fan of, Mitch yeah. Moses. And, Something about me and halves. <laughs> and Jack Whiten gets to start at six. So Jack's done the job before. He'll be great. And look, I, I know Mitch. I play with Mitch and I'm stoked to see him get a crack. There was um, a few competing for that number seven jersey, but really, really happy for Mitch to get a chance on this stage. Uh, along with Dale Finucan returning to the side, tough as nails. Or well, to, to quote one of our guest hosts from last week, Ashton Sims, Tough as woodpecker's lips. I love that. I think Dale that's so Megan. clever. It's very clever. <laughs> and the Fijian getting a debut off the bench. Api Korosau. I'm so excited. Obviously, um, with the previous two matches that have happened this year, he has always been in the squad, but he hasn't had his opportunity to play. And this weekend, oh, sorry. Yeah, he will have his opportunity to debut. Yeah, well done uh, to Api. He's been great for the Panthers uh, since it's been outstanding. going there. He was a few years ago when he got there. He was the buy of the season in my mind. Uh, and, and he's been a part of their success over the last couple of years because um, well, they've their success has been due in large part to, to his role that he's playing at a dummy half and and giving his his outside men plenty of opportunities. Uh, on the bench, one player that I want to single out that's been um, brought in as a as a shadow player or in the reserves, uh, Stefano Itukamanu, um from the Tigers. Young guy, big, um, mobile, tough. Uh, he's only had Oh, I think maybe 10 or so games in the NRL. So for him to be called in as a as a reserve, it's, it's, it's really big for him. So well done, Stefano. 
And then moving on to the Maroons, do you want to take us through the in and outs list? Yeah, the outs for the Maroons. Cole Feltz out. Harry Grant's missing still with the hamstring. Thomas Flegler has been moved into the extended squad. Kurt Mann into the extended squad. And David Fafita's been suspended. So there's, there's quite a bit of movement there. But uh, Hamaso Tabiwai-Fido, the North Queensland speedster, gets to debut. And he is lightning fast. So can't wait to see him hopefully get an opportunity in the clear. Caelan Pong is back and AJ Brimson is also back on the bench. So uh, a few changes for the Queensland team. A few changes. I'm excited to see what Caelan Ponga does. I know for the longest time, or particularly over the past two games, people have been speaking about, I guess, the Maroons missing that spark. And a lot of hype has been placed around um, Ponga's name. So now that he's back there, I, I mean, I feel like it's a it's going to be a very different looking clash, particularly because everyone was gassing up the duo of Nathan Cleary and Jerome. Now they're out. You have new halves in the picture. You have Caelan back in. I think it's going to be a very different um, third game, but I'm excited. Origin footy is the bloody best, man. Yeah, you're right. It is going to be very different. Kalen Ponga was enormous in his first game back from that uh, groin injury against the Cowboys last weekend. So, um, yeah, I think he's going to bring that same sort of energy and, and that, that ability that he's got to the Queensland side. And, uh, yeah, it, it is going to be very different. It's a, it's a great, great observation, says. Time will tell. Time will tell. Well, moving on, I guess, to the Olympic scene. Um, it was just announced this week that the Samoan government has pulled out um, his weightlifters from the upcoming Olympics due to COVID. Um, my initial, I guess, thought when I read that was it's so disheartening to know that the government is pulling out um, the weightlifters just because, as we know, the Olympics come around every four years. In this circumstance, it's come around every fifth year. Um, you don't necessarily know when they're going to get the opportunity, but um, it's really sad. Yeah, it's sad they don't get the opportunity. They're, they're still in Samoa at the moment, so that's why um, there, there was too great a risk, I su- suppose, that was deemed by the government to send them over. Um, and yeah, cases have uh, sort of been on the rise a little bit, so there is some concern in general in Japan and, and in Tokyo. And uh, that decision was made, obviously, with that in mind. But like you said, yeah, it's disappointing that they don't get this opportunity right now um, to yeah, to go over there. Mm. And the Fijian judo rep, Tavita Maxwell Takayawa, gets an opportunity to represent at the Olympics after a win at the Oceania Games, I believe. Yes, he did. He reigns from a family of superstars. His dad was a former champion. His name was, or not was, because he's still with us, is Viliyama Takayawa, and his brothers and cousins have all represented Fiji as well um, on the representative stage. He's really, really, really excited. Um, I guess it's just his, his first opportunity to give it a crack on the Olympic stage, and um it's like, I mean, you know, Fiji is so commonly known for rugby and, and league and the fact that we have someone on the mat, it's pretty cool. Yeah, that, it is really cool. And uh, I, I read that Tavita, his, his dream was just to, to participate and win at the Pacific Games, but he's done that and he's moved on now. He's got this, this opportunity to represent yeah. at Tokyo. So huge uh, for him and uh, can't, can't wait to track his progress over there. It'll be very exciting. And lastly, the All Blacks, uh, ahead of their game against Fiji, have brought in Samasoni Takiaho, who is the Chiefs hooker. It's great to see him get the call up. Yes, he um, has been called into the All Blacks squad as injury cover with Asafa Umaya um, suffering from concussion symptoms. It's really exciting for him um, because he will also be joining um, Cody Taylor and Dale Coles, who have been called up um I guess in in the wider squad. So all of these boys will be pushing for a jersey and um, the All Blacks will be going up against Fiji this Saturday at seven o'clock. Who are you backing? Oh, I've got to back Fiji. You've got to back the boys, you know? Yeah. Full credit to the boys. Um, they've done a lot of work to get to New Zealand to play. Um, but I just really hope that the All Blacks don't kind of do a repeat performance of what they did to Tonga 
hopefully Fiji has taken some lessons out of what happened to Tonga yeah. um, and we'll look to capitalize on it. But nonetheless, it'll be a very exciting um, matchup. Looking forward to that one. Can you be more Pacific? On ABC Radio Australia. Let's jump right into this week's Keeping It Social. We've got a couple of things that have popped up that uh, we want to go through. I'll get your one first, Says. Oh, my one. Okay, so as you know, I've just come back from Super W. A friend of mine um, who plays rugby as well, she recently started a new page on Instagram called Her Super W. And the purpose of it was just to spotlight our tournament a little bit more, spotlight the players, because as you know, it's an ongoing conversation in society is that women's sport doesn't get enough recognition. And as I told you, and I guess to kind of live through it, like to get to Coffs Harbour was genuinely a hellish experience Um, to be there and like things constantly chopping and changing, also receiving the news of like WA pulling out of the competition when we'll, the morning of that we're supposed to verse them. The Wallaroos fixtures being on and then not on and then now postponed to a date that we don't even know. She put up this really, um, this post that just like really nailed it on the head. And I, I guess I don't want to go, like, I don't want to read the whole thing because it's quite long. But there was this one paragraph, and I just want to read it out. And again, this is talking to, I guess, the the struggle that women in general go through when it comes to sport. It says, and yeah, but this is on the topic of equality. But it's a fight that's slowly destroying them. These women are breaking themselves, body, mind, and spirit, trying to carry themselves like professional athletes and pave the way for the next generation while trying to be positive contributors in the communities and juggle motherhood, full-time carers, and study. It's a song that's been sung so often of late, but it's one that needs to be echoed through every courtyard, TV screen, and dining room until the world we dream of becomes a reality. Um, And that's just like an extract of this three-page post. Um, But it just really, it just rung true for me. Like it was just such a on-tune kind of summary of what we we went through because, again, like it was... Like to play three games in one week, like yeah. tell me what other sport is doing that right now. And it's not like we played the same minutes that we played at club. We played 40 minute halves and like, we're up for it. We'll play for it. Man, you told us to play 15 minute halves. I mean, pushing it, but I'll, we'll do it. Yeah. Um, but it was just kind of like at the beginning of the post, she's like, does do, like, do people know that they're like the Waratahs have just won four titles in a row? Like people, do people know that? And like, it's such a, like, why is it not plastered at the, on the back page of the paper? Like, why is that not? It's such a huge accomplishment because you know what, if the tables were turned and the New South Wales Waratahs lost four games in a row, you bet that's not the back page of the paper, <laughs> you know? So right, just, yeah. it just, it was just something like that. Like, it's not, it's not like a, a cry of sorrow or anything like that. It's just like, man, you really nailed that on the head. It's a reality, right? Yeah. It's not, yeah, you're right. And it's one thing to be aware of, of, of what's going on, but to have like an actual appreciation for some of the challenges and listening, uh, chatting with yourself over the last few weeks about, oh, I couldn't believe that you played that many games or that you were scheduled to play that many games in a professional run, a professionally run tournament or season to play that many games in that shorter space of time where most other sports that, that have that full game contact, um, high intensity sport, they have minimum turnarounds on games because of the safety issues, but mm. you're forced to do that in your season that, that only spans across two weeks. So that's, for me, that was um, very, very surprising. And now I'm aware of it. I have an empathy, hopefully for it. And um, you're right. It, it does need um, a, a bit more support and some more enabling to, to turn it into something that is more front of mind for, for people. So great post. Uh, yeah. It was. Shout indeed. out to Super W. Follow it. It's great. Super W. <laughs> 
My one for this week is over to Nepal in the Super Nepal, and there was a Swiss. The Swiss <laughs> sorry, I'm laughing because it's fine. I'm, I'm watching it at the moment on my phone. But uh, Helen Hoosby, she uh, gave her friend, her teammate, Paige, the brush. Paige Haley went for a, a little high five. It was like a little backhander high five, like just a quick one, like casually. And yeah, yeah. There's some music from <laughs> it was. It was on the New South Wales Swifts website. They put it up on, on their Twitter account this week. Uh, but, yeah, nice goal scored by Paige, uh, by Helen, sorry, sorry and uh, Paige goes for the high five, doesn't come. Nothing, nothing hurts more than when you put your hand out and then you just get ghosted. And it's caught on national TV. That's just – and then and then your worst nightmare, it becomes a meme. It becomes a meme. <laughs> that's, that's the worst part. Uh, and we'll give a special mention as well to um, Canberra, Raider, Canberra Raiders debutante this weekend, Xavier Savage. He will play in the fullback jersey, but he was presented his um, his debut jersey by, I believe, Sebastian Chris gave him the jersey, and, and the Canberra Raiders put up the video on their website. His family um, zoomed through, and it's quite emotional. They had a message from Laurie Daly, a club great as well, and uh, yeah, Xavier was was very um, humbled to be receiving the jersey. He said he wouldn't let his teammates down and shed some tears. And his family, his, I could see his mum shedding some I tears as well. Um, so, yeah, it was really, really nice um, for the Raiders to be able to share that with everyone. And good luck to Xavier this weekend. Good luck. Well, I believe that's all we have time for for today. Um, next week, we'll be back here, same time, same place. As always, and if you missed the show or you just want to listen to the magic again, it'll be replayed on Friday, 2 p.m. PNG time, or you can find all our episodes on the Radio Australia website. Bye. Mother. Can you be more Pacific? An ABC sport production for ABC Radio Australia. This program has been funded by the Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade.